Just be praying in that area. Well, we're on this subject now today, the judgment seat of Christ. How many of you believe you're just going to heaven and sit down? In heaven, there are going to be some of you who are great and some of you who are going to be less. Some of you really are going to live in your mansion. And some of you are going to cut Roger's grass. Some of you are going to do some other things while somebody else is doing something more important. Because God always has had this thing called ranking. And he even ranks his angels and so forth. And you hear people just say, if I can just get into heaven... Well, you may get into heaven, but you don't know what your assignment's going to be. You don't know what your work's going to be. Now, you have to understand this. Part of that is assigned to you based on your performance of how you live now. You say, Pastor, that's hard to believe. Well, I hope we can see it in Scripture today. Christians can do some bad things. We're called to do good works. But a lot of us live horrible lives. And we need to understand that. That we live in a way that really dishonors the Lord Jesus Christ. That dishonors the word of God. That even brings shame to our parents, but sometimes as parents we have become a little bit cold on how our children are living and we don't say anything. Or either we set the wrong example before our children and we can't say anything. The judgment seat is where all who have trusted Jesus, when I say all, all, Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere in between. Because the Old Testament was looking to the cross. We're looking back at the cross. And all who trust in Jesus will stand there at that judgment seat and will give an account of their life and how they've lived it. The issue is not about hell. That's the white throne judgment. That's why it says the second death that they're cast into their second death at the white throne judgment. For you and I, the moment we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the hell issue disappears. We're saved. We belong to him. Now, what we do in this life is what is important. How we live this life is what we're going to give an account for. Because we are responsible for how we obey and our disobedience and how we treat other people, how we work, and the things that we do. We're responsible for that. We're responsible for our growth. And we're the ones that have to want to grow in the Lord. Just because some people are saved, they really don't want to grow. It's like putting somebody in school but don't want to get an education, don't want to learn. They're in school, but they're not learning. You're in Christ, but you're not learning. 
You confess you're a Christian, but you're not living like a Christian. In the military, they have what they call, and it's very similar here to what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. At the time in which you're ready to be discharged from the military, there's only two papers that you can receive. You're going to receive one or the other. You're going to receive what is called an honorable discharge or you receive what is considered a dishonorable discharge. Now you both were in the military just like we're all in Christ who have accepted him but all of us don't live in a way that brings honor and glory to his name or to his gospel. And what it says there. If you get a honorable discharge, it means you have the rights to all the benefits that a veteran is afforded. If you have a dishonorable discharge, you get no benefits at all. You don't get the GI Bill. You don't get the educational bill. You don't get the home, VA home mortgage. You don't get any benefits other than just to say you were in the military. And that's what it is with a lot of Christians. You'll get into heaven, but you get no benefits based on how you served. Based on how you served. And most times we don't think about that. Because most of us are only dealing with God is love. Well, God is just, and God is fair in his judgment. So the question is not about hell at the judgment seat of Christ. It's about what you're going to receive from him for how you have lived. Now, what is the real reason that we can understand that when I go to heaven, I can understand the position that I'm in and why I'm in it. There's no use looking at somebody else and say, well, they got it better than me. Well, they did a whole lot more work than you. Need to understand that. Work doesn't get us to heaven. But work does get us a position or awards in heaven. If you understand the Bema seat, it was where the judge on a raised platform, gave out awards for the Olympians, the runners, the wrestlers, whatever. They received that reward, and with that reward came certain benefits that Caesar gave. Because you won the reward. And Jesus is sitting on the Bema seat, handing out the rewards that is due you. He does that. So we can understand our position. Now, go to 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Now, we talked about it last week. 2 Corinthians 5, that our main goal is to please God. That's our main goal. Our main goal is to please God. So we're not going to belabor that this week. We need to know that. That the purpose of us being here right now is to please God in the manner in which we live. 
Not to please man, not to please mom and dad, not to please somebody else, but to please God. So he goes on in that verse 19 now, he says, For we all, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us have to appear. Every one of us. For that we can give an account of how we have managed this life that he has given unto us. The judgment is about you choosing how you're going to live from day to day. It's your choices. Now understand this. Either you submit your life and you submit your will or you submit yourself to the will of God or you are fighting against God's will. And the Christian will be judged for that. The judgment is about you choosing to live willingly in submission to God. And if you don't do that, then you are against his will for your life and you're going to be paid for that. You will receive what is due you for the way in which you live. So back to that 2 Corinthians 5.9 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive each one may receive what is due him. And because all of our work is not the same, there's going to be a different pay grade for each level. There's going to be a different reward level for each one. Because you're going to receive what is due you. You're not going to receive what is due Gus Brown. You're going to receive what is due who? You. Get that in up here. God's going to give you your reward Based on how you have lived in his will. Or fighting against his will. And he goes on, he says, But each one may receive what is due him for the things done. Done when? While in the body. So he makes it very clear. You're not in heaven. You're where at? You're down here in this body. And I'm going to give you what is due you for what you have done while you are here. While in the body. Now catch the last thing that he says. Rather good or what? Understand, Christians can do some horrible things. Christians can commit adultery, fornication. Christians can kill people. Christians can slander people. Christians can do a lot of things that are against the word of God. And thereby they are living a life willfully against what God has prescribed in his will for us. And he says, I'm going to pay you for your good and also for your bad, you're going to be rewarded for whichever. Because you're the one who's choosing it. You're the one who is putting the work of the Holy Spirit out in your life. You're the one who's saying, I don't need God's word. You're the one who is rejecting. 
everything that God has said in the area of how you should live. You're the one who's taking this and throwing it down and don't care about what it says. And he says, you'll receive what you are due. Because you made the choice. Now, we must all appear there. And the reason is simply, he's going to give to us what we've done in this body. It's a payment for the things done, whether they be good or bad. Now, Christians do bad things, understand that. I'll tell you, every, it's surprising how many people get hurt in the church. But what we forget about the people in the church, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. Don't you know Christians can cuss up a storm? Well, I thought you were a Christian. That don't mean they won't cuss. Don't you know that Christians will lie? That person's just lying on me. Yeah, Christians will lie, but hopefully they learn not to lie. Why is there so much adultery in the church? From the pulpit to the pews. Why is everybody messing with somebody else's wife? And yet saying, I'm a Christian. See, we got some horrible things going on in church that sometimes we don't want to own up to. But those things are happening that shouldn't be happening and we blind ourselves to what's happening. My brother was a deacon and an adulteress and everything else and should never have been a deacon in the church. Let me share with you. You will receive what is due you for what you've done in this life. Now, go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22. And uh, we're going to start moving with this some. Come on, work. You don't want to work. I got Donna here today. She gave me this thing just in case that thing didn't work. There we go. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I am coming when? Soon. Not in your time. In God's time. What he's letting you know is soon. Now also remember what scripture says. A day is like a what? A thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So our time and God's time is not the same. So Jesus has said, I'm coming soon. So it hasn't been long since Jesus has been gone. He's coming soon. And he lets us know. Behold, I'm coming soon. Then he says, my rewards is with me. Whatever you're going to receive, he's bringing it. He has it with him. And he says, my rewards is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has, what? Done. To every individual, I'm going to give to them what they have earned. And then he goes on there. He gives us 1 Corinthians 9.24 and Paul's illustrating in a race. That we're all in a race. That all Christians are in this race to win a prize. But we should all run it like we're after the prize. Now everybody's not going to be first. But we should run it designed to be what? 
first. To cross that finish line first. Because we are, in a sense, in a spiritual race. And we're running this race. And we should run it with a desire to win it in order to win the prize. And then in Matthew 6 is our attitude. You build your treasures in heaven, not here on earth. It's an attitude issue. It's an attitude issue. And he's going to judge your attitude because only God knows your real heart. People say, God knows my heart. You're right. That's one thing. I don't care who says that. They're right about it. God really knows individuals' heart. But understand this. He says the heart can be deceitfully wicked. And who can know it but who? But him. Because you may want to think that your heart is saying one thing and God is looking deeply into your heart and sees the real motive for what you are doing what you're doing. And then he says, there will be those who have lost rewards. Now there's five verses that we want to go through. Revelation 3.11. He again says, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have. So the warning is there. Hold on to this faith. Hold on to Christ. Hold on to what you have. Don't allow somebody to steal it from you. Remember, Satan comes to what? To steal and to rob and to destroy. Hold on to what you have in Jesus Christ. And he says, Boy, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your what? Your crown. That means you can lose something. You can lose something. How many of you got money in the bank and they're talking about identity theft? And sometimes you get worried about if somebody's going to steal what you have. Now, if you ain't got nothing, you in good shape. (laughs) But see, if you have a little something, it causes you to think. Is somebody out there trying to steal my identity? Is somebody trying to get in? To my bank account? Is somebody trying to forge something? But if you have nothing, you don't worry about it. I want to share something with you. You need to really ask yourself, what kind of rewards are you expecting to receive from Jesus Christ? If you don't think you can win the race, there's no use getting in the race. But if you get in the race, even though everybody else is saying, he's the best one out there, she's the best one out there, they may fall down along the way. You don't know what might happen, that you wind up being number one. Being number one. And he says, so that no one will take your crown, because you can lose your reward. So you need to be... Fixed on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. Not on your neighbor. Not on somebody else. You focus your eyes on Jesus Christ. And you run towards him. And for him. Then in John. 2 John 1. He says watch out. There's the warning. Watch out. So he's giving us a heads up. Watch out. That you do not lose what you have. Can you lose what you have? 
you certainly can. How many of those folks in Ukraine thought they were going to lose what they had? Some people have lost their homes. They've lost their bank account because there's really no money in Ukraine. People have lost a lot and they never thought about it six months ago. That they would be where they are now. You can't say where you will be at tomorrow. Praise God, the retirement check, that social security check is coming on the first. But how many understand at some point Congress will have to cut that off because of the debt of this country? That's why a lot of young people will tell you, I don't never expect to draw social security. I don't think I'll draw it. It'll be broke. You can lose what you have if you don't really watch it. And he simply says, watch out that you do not lose what you have. Work for. Work for. I hear a lot of people say, I work for my social security. Well, you can lose it too. I worked for my health care and a lot of people have lost their health care. You can lose what you have in a moment. And God says, watch Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. That you may be rewarded fully for your work and how you've lived. And then in 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 15, he says, if what he has built survives, if what you have done really survived God's test of fire, and we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 3. But he said, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Again, very positive. He will receive his reward based on what he has built. Now ask yourself, what are you building? What does your life really look like when somebody look at it? Is it something that you can be proud of? Is it something that somebody else would want to pattern themselves after? Is it something that your kids will say, boy, I want that and even do better. My one granddaughter, her mom is a doctor in philosophy, political science. And I tell Nisa, you're going to do better than your mom. You're going to do better than your mom. She's only 13 years old. You're, you're going to do better than your mom. Why? I want to get it in her mind that she can achieve it's hard, it's difficult, but you can achieve. And you can do something far better than even what your mom is doing. She's diversity officer at the university down there in, where, where, where is it? Oh, Coach, where? Yeah, wherever that's at. And uh, I couldn't hear you, but, but he says, go ahead and work at it. Work at it. That nobody can rob you of your full reward. And what you have built on, what are you building? When you look at your life, your spiritual life, what are you really building? He will receive his reward. If it is, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved. Very clear. 
you can be a dirty, low-down, filthy, no-good Christian and be saved. You need to understand that. That's not God's desire for you. That's not God's will for you. But you're the one who ignores his directions. You ignore his will for your life and what he wants to build and what he wants to make out of you. You're the one who ignores that and says it's not possible. It won't never happen. You're the one who don't want to be in that position. And he says it very clearly. Yes, he will be saved even though he suffers loss. Who caused him to lose? He or she caused himself to lose in their own life. They're still saved. They will be saved, but only as one escaping through flames. When you, when your house catch on fire and it is really burning, how many of you take time to go and try to get your kitchen table out, get your dining room table out, collect up your dishes, get your favorite if that house is on fire, what's the first thing you're thinking about doing? Getting out of there. And just being thankful that you what? Have life. These people will be thankful that they're in heaven, but they have no rewards. They have nothing. So don't be mad at Roger if he's in the mansion and you're cutting his grass. And the issue, he says... They will be saved, but only escaping the flame. Then in Matthew 10, 42, he gives us another illustration. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Catch that. He will not, what? Lose his reward. If he won't lose it, it is telling us there's a possibility that he, what? Can lose it. There's a possibility it can be lost. In 1 John 2.28 he said, And now dear children, continue in him. There's the key. If you don't continue your spiritual walk in the Lord Jesus Christ and continue growing in Christ, you're going to lose your reward. Yes, you're saved, but you're going to lose your reward. It's like a person going through school. They get to the 10th grade and 11th grade, and then they want to drop out. But you don't get nothing by being a dropout in 10th or 11th grade. you got to go through the 12th grade in order to walk that stage and receive your what? Your diploma. Now you can say, well, look, I got to the 10th grade. I got to the 11th grade. I spent all these years here doing this, and I don't get nothing right. You get nothing. Because you didn't graduate. You didn't finish the 12th grade. How many people start college, get one year in, two years in, then lose focus, inspect they're supposed to have a degree or, or supposed to have something? No, you got to go four years to get that BA or that BA. They just don't give it to you. Now, if you drop out, that's your choice. But you know what happens in Christianity? A lot of us drop out and never receive our inheritance or the rewards that God has for us. Because we quit on God. Not that God quits on us. We quit on God. Just like we quit on school. School didn't quit on us. Education didn't quit on us. 
We quit on education. We quit on school. We have a lot of ways of blaming why I didn't get this or didn't get that. No, it's only one person's fault. Mine. Mine. And he says, and now dear children, continue in him. In him. And where you start with him is by receiving him as Lord and Savior of your life. Now, after you receive him for salvation, now the issue is, can you continue the journey? See, a lot of people start a journey, but they never finish it. A lot of people start after a goal, but they never finish it. A lot of people start to build something, but they never finish it. What is it that hinders you from finishing? And he says, continue in him, because that's the key. So that when he appears, we may be confident. Confident of what? That I'm going to hear the statement, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You have really graduated. Well done for what you have done, the work that you've done. You have confidence that you can stand before him unashamed. Because the way you have lived and the things you have done, they're found in the word of God. And you have the confidence that you can live that way. And you can stand before him in confidence, knowing that you yourself are not going to be charged with anything against you. That you will be considered, in a sense, blameless by the way in which you have lived. And he says, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. There's a lot of things that children do and people have done and I've done it and you've done it that we've approached people and what happens? Our head is where? Because we're ashamed of what we've done. We're ashamed of what we've done. And when you're confident that you have done a good job and you've done your best, your head is held high. And you can look anybody in the eye. But when you're ashamed, it just goes down. It goes down. And sometimes people want to blame other people. Well, they think they somebody. No. We're all somebody in the sight of God. But how you feel about yourself sometimes, you put it on other people trying to make them as though that's how they feel about you. And the reality is, that's how you feel about yourself. Ashamed. Now, we need to understand that you will get what is due you. Go back again to that first Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter five. I want that to get somehow really in your mind. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him. That is due him. Now, Colossians three twenty three through twenty five. Whatever you do, 
you work as unto the Lord. However you live, you live as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, work as work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You don't work for a union contract. You work for the Bible to fulfill it. You don't work to please your boss. You work to please God. If you please God, you'll please the boss in most cases. You do not work for man. You work for the Lord. And many Christians need to get that in their mind. Who they're working for. They're working for the Lord. Now, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, we ought to know that. But a lot of Christians, a lot of people don't know that they're going to receive a reward from God for how they lived. I just get to go to heaven. It's more than that. That will receive an inheritance from the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And we forget that. You don't serve, never serve a pastor, never serve an elder, never just serve a church. When I'm out here doing other stuff here, Donovan asked me one day, Pastor, why are you out here doing this? It's not for Aquin Lions Fellowship. It's not for the members of this church. It's for the kingdom of God and what God is building. It's what God is doing. And what you do, you do for the kingdom of God. Don't do it for Pastor Brown. That's the worst thing to do. One of the biggest mistakes we make in church today is to set a table up here before dinner for the pastor and this and that, and he has to be up there. And be, that's one of the worst things we've done to the thing of pastors. A pastor is not somebody to be worshipped or idled. Understand this. I'm running for Jesus just like you are. I'm in the same race you're in. And while you're looking at me, I'm going to try my best to pass you. And he says, anyone who does wrong will be what? Repaid for his wrong. If you're living wrongly, God's going to pay you for that. You're going to suffer something. You're not, you think you're suffering now. You're not. So in heaven, there can be what we call suffering. You're suffering because you're not where you think you should be. Because you didn't do what you should have done here. You catch that? Very quickly. In Matthew 5, 19, it would be a good verse to read because it shows you that there's a greater, there's a lesser. There's a greater, there's a lesser. Jesus will not judge you on his own. But the Father will be there to judge also. Because there's no favoritism. There's two witnesses to this. Jesus and the Father. He's not going to judge us at all. And judgment is explained in 1 Corinthians 3. Well, let's do this. Let's let's pick up here next, next, next week. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because that's where the judgment seat, what's happening at the judgment seat is somewhat explained. And then we want to compare that with what is said then in 2 Timothy 2.
what's in God's house. Because what is in God's house is not always pleasing to God. Let me ask you as parents, are all your children pleasing to you? I didn't ask you if you loved all your children. Are all your children pleasing to you? See, there was 14 of us, and my dad used to say, I know the sheep, I know the wolves. In God's house, you're going to be there because God promised you that if you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be in heaven. What he did not promise you is this. Just because you're saved, you will receive certain rewards. Didn't promise that. Those are the things that we work for. We run after. We live for. Everybody in God's house is not going to be pleasing to him. But they're there because of Jesus Christ. If a lot of you are honest, the only reason some of your children can come sit at your table and eat is because they are your children. Not because they're pleasing you, not because you're overjoyed with them, but because they are your children. And that's what it's going to be like in God's house. And we want to look at that next week. What is it really going to look like? Because there are many different people that make up the house of God. And he says there are some of gold, silver, precious jewels. Then there are those that are only wood, hay, and stubble. Let me close with this, Vic. How many of you have ever read the story, The Three Little Pigs? That was my illustration for y'all. Three little pigs. Two little pigs went out and they built their home out of hay and just stubble. But they knew there was a wolf around that would huff and puff and blow their house down. You know there's a devil around. That will huff and puff and blow you off your course. But see, one of them was wise. He built a brick home. And the wolf huffed and puffed and couldn't blow it down. When you're standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ and you have built according to what Scripture has told you how to build. Satan can huff and puff all he wants. He cannot blow you down. Understand that. Father, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you let us know that one day, Lord, we're going to give an account for our lives. Because we are responsible whether or not if we grow in Christ or not. We are responsible if we're going to listen to your Holy Spirit and allow him to direct our lives. We're responsible to get into your word and study it and know it, not just to have somebody tell it to us, but we're responsible for knowing that word for ourselves. 
And Lord, we're responsible to love you completely. To love you in such a way that you're first in our lives. To love you in such a way, oh God, that is evident to other people of who we are. That we are Christians following after the Lord Jesus Christ with all our hearts. It's evident. It's not something I have to boast about. It's not something I have to tell people about. It is something that is seen in my life by how we live and what we do. Lord, minister to us. And as we prepare, oh God, to be at your table, would you make us conscious if we are worthy to take of your table? And if right now, Lord, we sense or feel unworthy, would you allow your Holy Spirit to bring us into a moment of prayer with you, talking with you, and asking you to forgive us? And to wash us in the blood of Christ. Because it's your desire that every one of us meet at this table. Because at this table, we are saying, we're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Is at this table, as we break bread together and drink of the cup together, that we are saying we are one in Christ. It is at this table, Lord, we're given testimony that we believe, we believe everything in that word. And we'll tell anybody, because of this table, Jesus is coming again. And that he is risen from the grave. He's not dead. He's risen. So, Lord, in this moment, would you minister to anyone in our presence? who feel they cannot partake of this table. At this moment, would you set them free in the name of Jesus, now allowing Satan to rob them of what you have given unto us as an inheritance to partake of this table. Lord, let us partake of this table meaningfully. Understanding that Jesus shed his blood for us. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Let us understand that he gave his body, that we might have his body. For he took our body with him upon the cross and hung it there. He died and tasted death for each and every one of us. Lord, bring new meaning to this table. Quicken it to our minds, the seriousness of this table. And that is only for the people of God who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have accepted him, those who know what it is to be forgiven by him, those who want to be in communion with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, would you come?
Go to the cross. And he hung his head. 